0: Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you.
1: I want to introduce at this time with Teen Challenge being with us. We have here with us uh, uh, some of the graduates or some of those that are in the program and then those that are working with those alongside the ministry program, Teen Challenge, uh, I, I believe they'll probably explain that as time, as they share that this morning to our congregation. I know many of you may not know Teen Challenge, but there is a Women's Teen Challenge Center uh, in Aurora. And that is a tremendous opportunity for those that need help, ladies that need help, when it comes to needing freedom and finding Christ. And so Teen Challenge has been raised up by God uh, years ago from David Wilkerson and has, is around the world. God has blessed it. The anointing has been upon it over the years, and we are thrilled to have that. So we're glad to have back with us, and she was just giving me a little bit of information. So Donna Thorne, uh, we knew Donna and Niles from years joining together in the Pentecostal Assemblies, our paths have crossed, and and serving really a lifetime in ministry. Uh, Thrilled to have Donna back because she was just telling us that it was in 2011, uh, 11 years ago, the last time she was here at Cornerstone. Does anybody remember that day? I'm going to put that out there. Does anybody remember when she was here last? Just a, She was ordained here 11 years ago, and it was at Cornerstone, apparently. So that is pretty cool. So uh, she's back 11 years later, so I'm going to book them as well another 11 years from now. Uh, put it in our calendar to come back and do something. Uh, do something 11 years from now, but we're thrilled to have Donna with us. Donna, would you come? And she's just going to introduce the program here today. Would you give her a warm welcome?
0: Thank you for inviting Teen Challenge. I guess it's really um, kind of a home base for Teen Challenge. Um, And I am so privileged to have had this opportunity to come to you today. Before I go any further, I just need to ask Heavenly Father for help. Holy Spirit, come, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. I can't do anything without him, and as your pastor mentioned, uh, we were involved in Teen Challenge 11 years ago, we had actually been a part of the group that pioneered the center that's just out on uh, Bathurst, no, Dufferin. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we had wonderful years of watching the Lord develop that ministry, and in that area... Because, as Pastor mentioned, this ministry began in 1958, and the story of it is in the book, The Cross and the Switchblade, which is still on the table. And if you want to read a thriller, you read that book. It is a thriller. And it goes, the girls are, that's the first thing they do when they come into the program. They come into the program and read that book of where it started from. And what I have noticed with us, the last time my husband and I did an outreach with the girls, such as today, was 2018. And at that time, we had gone to a church in Hamilton and he was asked to be pastor to the seniors. Which we are a part of ourselves. And, um, you know, we've been married for 56 years, so we've been around for a while. And so we were doing that, and so we had to let go of the Ministry with a Teen Challenge. And um, so we never anticipated that this opportunity would come again. But it was those folks will know Jenny emailed us and said, is there any chance that you guys are available to help us again with outreaches? And I looked at him and he looked at me and we're like, well, why not? (laughs) You know, um, there is a word of the Lord in Psalm 1 that said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, and his leaf shall not wither. So, do you stand on the word of God? I stand on the word of God. His leaf shall not wither. And so, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And so... That's who we are, the people of God. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Who stands, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Well, we know that when we delight ourselves in the Lord... He gives us the desires of our hearts. So, you know, this morning, I just felt that I was to share with you the scripture that I feel is foundational for the Ministry of Teen Challenge, and it's found in Luke 4.18, and I'm reading from the Amplified, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to announce release to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to send forth as delivered those who are oppressed, who are downtrodden, who are bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity. Isn't that the world that we live in? And Jesus, that was his word, for he was the fulfillment of that when he came as the Messiah. And that was him saying it in the synagogue in Nazareth, Luke 4.18. But that ministry now, when he left and had 12 disciples, he gave them... He said, wait in Jerusalem and you'll be filled with the spirit of the Lord that is upon me will be upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And glo- Teen Challenge is global. And you know what's really exciting? We think of how horrific addiction is in our society But we've been in touch with missionaries, Ilya and Janet Bansive, that have been in Russia for many years now, and they discovered that almost every person in Russia is an addict. And they began, about 30 years ago, sharing the gospel under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And now they've raised up from Teen Challenge, pastors of how many churches in Russia came out of (laughs) Teen Challenge. Because the Spirit of the Lord does the work. It's not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of the living God. And you know, this morning when you came in, I don't know whether you noticed the beautiful big banner. Things have really improved at Teen Challenge since we've been there. Uh, A lot of things. The girls set up the table this morning. We're so happy that we have (coughs) Sandy and Tammy Lee and Brooklyn. That are, Tammy Lee and Brooklyn are going to share their testimonies after I'm finished. And I'm not sure what time, you never gave us a time limit, did you? (laughs) You know, it it is absolutely wonderful to see the job they did of the table. Because um, a few years ago, we we had some struggles with some of these areas. But they've got this beautiful banner that says, The Journey. You know, we're all on a journey. Every one of us are on a journey. We're on a journey on our way. We sang about it as well with my soul. When the trumpet sounds, oh, we've got a journey ahead of us. The best is yet to be. Oh, we can't even imagine the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But I wanted to share with you this morning, I just felt I was to tell you, where my journey kind of began in the home of a recovered alcoholic. So, now, my dad had not married until he had become a believer at age 35. He was raised in the north of Scotland in a very loving and Christian home, but left for Canada when he was 17, got in with the wrong crowd. And you girls know the story of getting in with the wrong crowd. And he was very lonely in his new country of Canada, and he went the wrong way. And from 17 to 35, it was dissipation, alcoholism, But, you know, the amazing story of God's protection had certainly to do with the father at home praying. And at one point, he was reaching up to Touch Bottom, and he called on the Lord, and he had a vision of Jesus. And that changed him 180 in the opposite direction. His church at home had been the Church of Scotland... And he found a Presbyterian church and went and told them about the vision he had had. And they said, well, you don't belong here. You belong at the Holy Roller Church down the street. And that was how he got into a church like this. (laughs) Back then, they called them the Holy Rollers. (laughs) Because there's freedom to be who you are. There's freedom in the Holy Spirit. Well, it was in that context then he had never married because he couldn't find a girl in the circles he was going in that would have family worship with him like he'd had at home. Anyway, long story short, he met my mother. She was was a bachelor. She was a spinster. I was born a year later. But let me tell you, we were born into a home that both my parents, my mom's story is just about as um, sensational as my dad's in many ways, but they had one focus, and it was that their family would serve the Lord. And we, we were, yes, it was kind of like being at Teen Challenge. You have the Holy Spirit in the morning, you have Jesus in the afternoon, and you have the Father God at night. And that's Teen Challenge, isn't it? And that's the way we were raised, that we memorized Scripture. And, you know, it it was so wonderful. My dad, uh, three girls, he prayed for boys. And the Lord gave him three girls. And uh, then he had three sons-in-law that were all in the ministry. My husband and I have been, as I said, married for 56 years. We've been in the ministry. And, you know, you look back and you see where my dad came from. And you see where you girls are going to go when you know that the Lord is going ahead of you. And my sheep know my voice, and they follow. And my husband and I have found it pretty easy. Like, the door opened. Jenny called, and we just said yes. And we just always say, yes, yes, yes. We'll do whatever you want us to do, Lord. We'll do whatever you want us to do. One more story before I have the girls come to give their testimony. Do you mind one more story? Okay, good. (laughs) My husband and I were pastoring in Halifax, Nova Scotia. This is over 40 years ago now. And we had a television ministry from the church that went out every uh, Sunday afternoon. And um, it became like a helpline for desperate people. And 40 years ago, there wasn't even such a thing as helplines, but we would get so many calls and I was so busted and broken over the brokenness, the downtrodden, the bruised, the crushed, the broken down by calamity. I was like, oh God, they need more than what the church can offer them. Once a week on Sunday isn't enough. Wednesday night prayer meeting isn't enough they need. I had become a nurse, a registered nurse. I had worked in intensive care. And I knew they needed intensive care spiritually, that they would be healed because of the power of the Spirit of God that works through the Word and through the Holy Spirit. And so I would cry out to God in desperation and we were there for 5 years and then we were called back to Ontario and our kids were at a stage where I was not as involved with it as I had been in Halifax and so I kind of had forgotten how I prayed that prayer and I was running with the kids all the activities that you have when you have 3 children And so for many years, I hadn't even thought about the prayers that I'd prayed. But Pastor mentioned how I had done women's ministries for our fellowship for 18 years, and it was the Lord who got me into it. And I said, Lord, I'm staying until you open the door for me to be out of it, because I don't wanna move without you knowing where I'm supposed to go. And uh, so I had a call, I was at the district office at my desk, and it was from Gary Cox, and I think some of you may know, remember Gary. Gary was at Teen Challenge, and Gary's request was, Donna, we're looking for women to open the Women's Centre f- for Teen Challenge in Aurora, and uh, are you? would you come? Would you come for an interview? Well, long story short, I went. So those of you who have been up on the property, you know there's a long lane to get into it. And when I turned onto that lane, it was suddenly I had a Holy Spirit download from heaven of what I had prayed for 30 years before in Halifax for a place of intensive care. And the Lord said, this is the answer to your prayer. And so that is a part of the journey for me. And now to be back, it's like, okay, God, you're not finished with us. Just because we're seniors, you know, I I just think of Caleb. He was 85. My husband isn't quite there yet. But (laughs) Caleb said, give me this mountain. And, you know, really, God wants us the more, in fact, even the world says the more you do it, the more productive you are. And so we thank God for what he's doing at Teen Challenge right now, and we thank God for Brooklyn coming now to give her testimony.
2: Hi, I am Brooklyn. I'm 26 years old, and I was born in Fort Erie, Ontario. I was born into a family of addicts. My parents were divorced by the time I was two, so my brother and I were living between both homes. When I was five, something happened to my brother and I, and as a result of that, my mother hurt the person who had hurt us. She was gone for seven years, leaving my father to raise my brother and I alone. My father was heavily addicted to alcohol, so he didn't take proper care of us. We had to move frequently because my father couldn't keep up on rent due to his addiction. Elementary school was hard for me because everyone in school would make comments about my mother being away and my father being a quote unquote drunk. It was hard to stay focused and do my schoolwork. Though my father did the best he could, it was still very hard. That cycle went on until I was around 12 years old. It was also at the age of 12 that I started to hurt myself. When I was 13, my father, by the grace of God, went to rehab to get his life together. During that time, I moved in with my cousin, started smoking marijuana, and skipping school. Soon after that, my mother came home from her seven-year sentence, and my brother and I moved in with her. She and her boyfriend also suffered with addiction. Her boyfriend physically abused her, leaving my brother and I to hear it most of all nights. We We had tried to stop it, but when we did, we also got hurt. This went on for years, causing me to develop that same ways of life. I started drinking when I was 14 and started using cocaine a few months later. I would get so drunk to the point of blacking out and leaving myself totally vulnerable. I've done a lot of horrible things to such great people while in those young years of my addiction, thinking I wasn't doing anything wrong at all. I was oblivious to the pain I was inflicting on everyone around me. When I was 17, I was already using A number of different drugs and I was in a serious relationship and was pregnant with my first child Isaac. I quit everything I was doing for the safety of my baby. Things were great. I thought I was finally going to be somebody, a mother who was actually going to raise her children the right way, a different way than I was brought up. But I was sadly mistaken. After Isaac was born the drug use continued for my boyfriend and I joined in again as well. The physical, mental, and emotional abuse started and it felt like it would never end. Not being able to see my friends or call them and just being isolated from everyone and everything in society had really started to take its toll on me. I decided to move out thinking it would be better, but I fell even harder. When Isaac was two, I went to my first rehab program and placed my son with my dad. Once I finished that 30-day program, I graduated and used cocaine to celebrate. Once the fun was over, I got my baby and moved back into our own home. I was drinking very heavily for about two years and I became pregnant again. I got clean for the pregnancy, but relapsed again when she was born, started using cocaine and drinking when she was just two weeks old. In April of 2019, I would hurt myself and was put in the psych ward. And later in May of 2019, my children were taken from me and put into child custody. This shattered me. Nothing meant anything anymore. I thought my world was crashing and it was. During this time, I found out I was pregnant again I hid this pregnancy up until I was eight months. During that time, I was sober and was fighting for my other children to come home. After months of fighting, I got my babies home, and I was finally staying sober, taking care of my babies, being the mother I always wanted to be. One night changed that, and I thought one drink was okay, but it wasn't. It turned into partying every night and doing whatever I could to get my booze and my cocaine. I got babysitters every night while I went out and partied. It wasn't okay, and I wasn't okay. In April of 2021, I was done. I felt so incredibly worthless and useless that I thought not being around anymore would fix everyone's problems. I got a babysitter for all three kids and attempted to take my life. I woke up in the hospital being told that I overdosed, and I just remember being so mad that I woke up. I was so angry that God wouldn't just let me die. I felt like I was no good to the world anyways, so why keep me? I thought my kids were better off with no mother than the one they had got. I just wanted my pain to end, and it wouldn't. So when all else failed, I agreed to try treatment again. My friend Chrissy helped me find Teen Challenge, and I thought it was going to be horrible, but I agreed to go anyways. In June of 2021, I walked through the doors of Teen Challenge only to last a month, and the whole time all I did was complain. I really wasn't so ready to be sober. I left and my excuse to leave was that I missed my kids so much, but in reality, the reason I left was to drink, which was the first thing I did when I left. I returned to the same self-destructive patterns and felt even more lost than I did before. In my mind, I kept thinking about Teen Challenge. I felt like I needed to go back. I didn't want to, but my soul was telling me I needed to. On November 16th, I re-entered the doors of Teen Challenge, and I'm so glad that I did. God was telling me and showing me this whole time that I cannot do this without him or the help of Teen Challenge. I can't find peace without Jesus. God has opened so many doors in my life and in my heart that I can't even fathom them. You really can do all things through Christ. My anxiety-filled mind is now filled with peace, and instead of waking up wanting to die, I now thank God for the life he has given me, and I thank him for showing, for showing me that I can be the mother I always wanted to be, the mother he always intended me to be. God has shown me an amazing road that I can't wait to take my children down. Without God's mercy and forgiveness, I wouldn't have had the strength to ask for forgiveness from those I have hurt in my addiction. God has restored so many of my broken relationships and made them even stronger. I am forever thankful for all Jesus has done for me. I wouldn't be who I am in Christ had I not gone through all I did. I am no longer labeled worthless, stupid, and crazy. I am a child of God, and I know that God loves me through all things. I will continue to pray to him and lean on him through all my good and bad times. 1 Peter 5.7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God is blessing me with a sound mind. I no longer have to fight those voices in my head alone anymore. Proverbs 3.6 says, in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. James 4, 7, 8, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Things aren't always going to be as easy as I may want them to be, but I know with Jesus by my side, I can make it through all things. I'm not alone, and all my thanks goes to the Lord. Thank you.
3: Good job, buddy. Thanks, Brooklyn. That was awesome. Good morning. So I've gone from bondage to freedom from the price of one man paid some 2,000 years ago in Calvary on an old rugged cross. I'm a grateful believer of Jesus Christ, and my name is Tammy Lee. Um, I'd like to open with Romans 15, 13. We serve a God of hope who fills us with with joy and peace as we trust in him. I grew up in north of Toronto and lived on a dead-end street where everyone knew each other. It was a very safe place, with no traffic, lots of countryside to play in. All was great until at the age of five, someone I trusted violated me and my way of thinking began to change. I thought affection and love was through physical touch. So when my family would try to show me love, I didn't know how to receive it. I didn't understand the value in my purity. I attended the same public school from kindergarten to grade eight. And even though we moved into the big city of Barrie when I was in grade seven, my mom would drive me to my old hometown in Stroud because she knew it was hard for me to adjust and to make new friends. As a child, I was a bit overweight, and I believed I wasn't good at much. My value and identity came from the fact that my big brother, my only sibling, was very handsome and seemed to be good at everything. My brother had a lot of friends. He was very athletic, had a great attitude, and was very smart. He always protected me and didn't allow anybody to pick on me. I felt that if I could be just as good as my brother, I would find somebody, I would be successful and I would find somebody to love me. At age 12, I began using marijuana and drinking. Within the first year of moving to Barrie, I had dropped out of school and found a group of people that liked me, not just because I was Mike's sister. With them, I quickly became more promiscuous and began using drugs and living a party lifestyle for the next 25 years. I lived with a number of single mothers that had kids that were troubled like me. My father came looking for me a number of times and tried to bring me home, even pleading with the authorities to help him. My mom would drive downtown and spend countless of hours looking for her little girl. At age 14, I hitchhiked to BC with a boy. Over the next two years, I endured extreme physical, mental and emotional abuse. I know now that my exhausted, exhaustive search for true love was not only due to my unfortunate life experiences, but more importantly, my, it was my fit with God. Growing up, we only went to church on Christmas Eve, but God planted a seed in my heart that I would search my life to grow. Living on my own from age 14, I sat and questioned every religion and denomination seeking to fill that void. I fled my home in B.C. after two years of abuse and went back to Ontario. I became pregnant, having my son at the age of 16 and my daughter at the age of 18. By the grace of God, my family was willing to help me and provide a safe and loving home for them. I deeply regret not being the mom that they deserved. Although my kids were safe, my heart was broken and I felt extremely lost. My life spiraled out of control and I quickly became consumed with drugs, abuse, crime, jail, and unhealthy relationships. I made the choice to stay away from my family. I was living a double life, wanting nothing more than to be a successful mother, daughter, and sister, but just not knowing how to achieve that goal. In 2011, I went to a treatment and managed to get my life together and remain sober for the next six years, being present for the the birth of my three grandchildren and reconnecting with my family. However, once again, I made the mistake of putting a man before my family, and I remained in that relationship for seven years, trying to fill that attention void for attention and validation. I began using again and not looking back for the next three years. This time was so painful for everybody in my family. No longer, um, my son had to place boundaries on our relationship, and and um, was able to love me from a distance. Uh, not allowing me to see my grandchildren, after numerous overdoses and receiving a number of criminal charges, I finally hit my rock bottom. I called my brother and I asked him for help. This was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. He said, "Pack your bags and I'll come and get you when you're ready." I was ready the next day. lost my spot. <laughs> I applied to Teen Challenge, and five weeks later, on July 12th, 2021, I entered the program. God is changing me from the inside out. I have made a list of regrets, especially regarding my children and my grandchildren. It breaks my heart that I can't go back and do it all over again, giving them a a childhood with their mother. Luke 637 encourages me with these words. Do not judge, and I will not be judged. Do not condemn, and I will not be condemned. Forgive, and I will be forgiven. God is strengthening me to do the hard things in the good story he is writing in my life. Moving forward, I will seek Jesus as my teacher, obeying him, my parents, and my authorities. Relationships with my family are being restored. I will no longer seek out men to fill that void in my life, but I will seek God as he is all that I need. I have surrendered my life to God, accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I was baptized June thirteenth, two 2021. I will use the pain I have experienced in my life to help others, knowing that only what is done for Christ will last. I have been I have been given a clean slate, forgiven for my past choices and failed attempts. Um 1 Peter 3:8 says, "Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic and love one another." And Romans 8:39 tells me that nothing can separate me from the love of my God. Um, One last scripture I would like to share with you is one that encourages me. 2 Samuel 22, 3. The Lord is my rock to whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge, and my savior. From violent people, you save me.
0: Praise God for his grace. Oh, what a journey. But the journey, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Oh, we're looking forward to that day. You know, it is beautiful to know that we don't have to get government support for then they would tell us what we could do. So that's why the body of Christ comes alongside to help in the journey of this beautiful program that God has used so magnificently over so many years now. And I believe that there is now a clip that's going to uh, share, and I haven't seen it yet myself, so I want to go down there and see it.
4: Addiction doesn't just happen. The journey to addiction many times begins with tremendous personal hurt, pain, trauma, and despair. And so finding freedom from addiction doesn't just happen either. The journey to recovery begins with loving individuals, daily walking with men and women, helping them to face their past generational wounds, their inabilities to cope, or lack of personal identity, so they can start the transformation into the person they were intended to be. Now this journey of recovery would not be possible if it weren't for the incredible faithfulness and generosity from supporters like you. At Teen Challenge, ongoing partnerships are much more than the financial backbone of our ministry. They are a testimony to all those still in addiction, that even in the midst of their brokenness, they can know they are worth investing in by joining the journey and becoming part of our incredible community of monthly supporters, composed of passionate, generous, driven people, like yourself. You are not only helping someone on their personal road to recovery, you are becoming a key part of their victory story. Your financial support shows those in our program that you believe there's still hope. It is not too late for help and you are willing to invest in them to help them find it. For any reoccurring monthly or annual amount, join the journey. And your support of our 12-month faith-based in-residence program proves to those in our care that past life choices do not have to dictate the future. And that life, purposeful, productive life after addiction is possible. Support Teen Challenge Canada and join the journey today. Visit teenchallenge.ca.
0: Thank you for sharing that. I hadn't seen it myself, and it's so wonderful. my husband and I, um, because we've been involved from the early days, I had a call one day from one of the gals in the development office, and she said, do you know my, how many girls you've supported? And I said, no. She said 81. And I didn't even know that that was the number. But, you know, it is, um, we don't need stuff. We don't need stuff. We need people that are going to be in heaven, and all of their family and circle. How many times we have seen that when there is one family member turned around, the impact is a ripple effect, and that's what it's all about, because We are all going to stand before the Lord someday and we want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.